podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Hello, it's the Bosco's Boys podcast, part two, maybe part one. I don't really know how Scott has decided to release these, but if it's part two, then here we are for number four, Father's Day number four. Before we get into it, I'm going to read some ads, talk about some of our sponsors, and then we'll jump right into it, starting with Spotify Green Room which was Locker Room prior. Now it's rebranded. It's a Spotify green room now. Um, It's basically a free audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Um, You can start or join ongoing conversations. You can watch games together. You can react to, you know, news, rumors, all sorts of results across the sports world. Uh, Talk with other sports fans. Scott and I have done several of these in a lot of listeners listeners join. It's pretty fun. We've had some insiders get on, like DY and Fan. They come and talk about what they kind of know about the the squad. You can um, talk to me. You can talk to Scott about the cats. You can do all sorts of other all sorts of other uh, rooms for other teams. Whatever you want to do, you can host. Um, we host every Thursday at 7 p.m. Scott and I typically. Man, some, most of the time me, I'm on, but, you know, I'm kind of flaky like that. So Scott's always going to be on, so join him 7 p.m. on Thursdays. He'll tweet it out, and uh, it's great. It's a lot of fun. And then we've got Kansas City Steaks. Kansas City Steaks, they want this to be your breast, your breast, your best grilling season ever. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com. Um, my computer's fucking up. KansasCitySteaks.com. Get 15% off your order and free shipping with the code SD at checkout from classic steak cuts to USDA prime to hard-to-find specialty cuts and more. Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. These are steakhouse-quality steaks aged to perfection. They make it so easy. Uh, each order is flash-frozen and delivered directly to you. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Enjoy their butter tender filet mignon, hearty Kansas City strip steaks, and savory ribeyes. It's been a hard year, so enjoy being together again by bringing the steakhouse to your house with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 15% off of your order and free shipping with the code SD at checkout. That's KansasCitySteaks.com, code SD. That's it. Let's start the show. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. Hello, hello. We're back for another year. It's it's year four of 
the Father's Day podcast. The boys are back. Malcolm and Malcolm here, back on the microphone. <laughs> How you doing? 2021, it's boiling hot outside, but we're here. We've got a couple drinks. You've got your Chardonnay. I've got a, a Dunkel. We're back. How we're are back. you? We're back. Well, I'm... Uh, I'm Plugging along, as my father used to say. Um, so I'm doing well, doing fine. That's exactly how I feel. I'm plugging along by the skin of my teeth right now. <laughs> um, let's just jump into it. We'll try to m- not make this super long. Um, and I kind of want to, it'll be fairly similar to Scott's and Kevin's, uh, but I tried to change some things up and we're going to talk about some other things and keep it a little bit fresh. So let's just talk about COVID, um, which is what everybody wants to hear about. Is fucking COVID. <laughs> but, uh, you know, last year we recorded during the pandemic. Now, a year later, we've gone through all the ups and downs. You've had COVID. I've had COVID. We've had the anxiety surrounding that. Everybody we know and our family basically had COVID. What have you learned about life in the past, in the last year? It's been a, a really tough year. What have you learned? You know, that's a pretty heavy question for a... Uh sports talk podcast but uh i'll i'll dig right into it uh we're getting more serious in this one <laughs> okay the uh well there's a lot of things i've learned i know when it first hit we would come back and turn on the news and watch all these body bags and <clears throat> i will have to say that i think the media really scared the hell out of uh, maybe more than it, it should have. Now, COVID is very serious, um, and it took a lot of people's lives, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna minimize that. But the uh, the fact that uh, I would say maybe one percent, one and a half percent of the people die is a lot different than when we first saw COVID on TV and all the body bags and wipe everything down and we were just totally panicking and uh, I guess it would it's a good example of you know having faith you know uh, trusting that everything is going to be okay just uh, you know get up and go to work and do the best you can and let God do the rest so um, that, that's one thing I've learned about COVID. Obviously, the other thing, I had it, and I had it fairly seriously, but uh, I, you know, we all made it through. Um, I, I don't know if everybody knows the story, but uh, uh, son Grant here uh, wanted me to perform the marriage ceremony for he and his lovely bride, Cheyenne, and so I did it, and I got my order of pro tem judgeship, and we had a wedding, and we took off our masks, and two days later, I got tested positive for COVID, and then everybody else got it that was at the wedding, and so I guess I was the super spreader, but we we made it through, and of course, um, it, it makes you appreciate... Uh, you know, the simple things, uh, kind of going back to how things used to be. You know, I guess we we now have the good old days is, is something that uh, uh, we can say that was before the before COVID days. But I think I've learned a lot. 
Yeah. Old age. <laughs> Old age and different priorities have kind of, uh, I think, shifted how you view sports in general. Um, in the last few years, you've backed off quite a bit from sports, viewing sports, being super emotionally invested in sports. Um, you know, you mentioned before the show, you don't know K-State like you used to. That's <laughs> very obvious to me. Um, but I'd like to ask, how did COVID, did COVID change how you view sports? Uh, yes, I think COVID did change how I view sports in that um, it's a matter of priorities. What is really important in our lives? Uh, the, the sports and the following sports is important. It gives us um, some com- camaraderie when we all get together at the games. It gives us actually, as crazy as this sounds, uh, you know, a little self-esteem. When our team wins, uh, most fans uh, kind of feel, well, they feel better about themselves. They are cheering for the winner. And uh, with without that, the last you know, a year or so, I'm not going to say that uh, it affected me that much, but it's a matter of priorities. And it it made me realize that the the athletics and the sports are very important for certain things, but, you know, they pale in comparison to what's really important with, uh, you know, the love of family and uh, uh, the health uh, of each other. Yeah, I kind of see. <clears throat> I mean, I kind of see both sides to this because I feel like when shit hits the fan in your life, you realize sports are me- pretty meaningless. Um, but you know, during the pandemic, we went so long without any sports, and we went even so long without having fans at games and watching TV, like watching games without fans. And, you know, I missed it a lot. I mean, you realize how, how little, with ha- with having, like, absolute, little to absolutely no sports for three months or so, um, I mean, sports can be very powerful. They can be a great unifier and a, a very positive force in a way. So when it come back, having, having it come back, and uh, I view it differently now, I do kind of feel like I need to take advantage of, you know, going and seeing things live and taking advantage of um, watching things live, even if it's on TV. I mean, watching the NBA playoffs right now, not a huge NBA guy, but the bubble got me into the playoffs when they had the bubble of uh, the NBA playoffs last year. They played in literally, you know, technically a bubble where they all went and stayed somewhere, no in and out, so that they could minimize that. And, you know, that got me into it because there were so little sports that I was like, I'm going to watch all of this. And I realized how amazing the NBA actually is. I mean, those guys are unbelievably talented, and it's crazy. But I've been watching it recently, and it's like, you know, Philadelphia, L.A., the Clippers, the Sixers, just like completely packed houses. And, like, the feeling it gives me watching that on TV <laughs> and seeing 20,000 people jam-packed, shoulder shoulder, shoulder, like just going crazy with the ebbs and flows of the game. I'll never take that for granted again. Yeah, I uh, have never been an NBA fan. I'm I'm more of a college. Well, I'm a big college basketball fan and a big college football fan. Now I do follow the pro football, but for some reason, <clears throat> excuse me, I've never 
been an NBA fan. Now, our good friends Johnny Johnson and, and Frankie and, and Jack Johnson, they love the NBA and are always – now is the time Kinda. to tune in because the playoffs yeah. are in mid are like in full swing and it's intense. It's really impressive to see what those fuckers can do. They're insane. Yeah. I I wanted to say something about what you talked about about no fans because when Bill Snyder came to K State in 1989 and 90 in those early years, I can remember him in many of his interviews telling the fans, "Please come out and 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 watch us. Please come come to the games. He said, "You don't realize how important the fans are to our success. When they come out of that tunnel and there's a packed house cheering, it really fires them up." And so I kind of wonder how the players, you know, dealt with having basically no fans or little to no fans in the in the stands. I, I think that. Well, I think what we've all learned is like sports basically without fans is kind of meaningless, um, or at least it's it feels a lot less significant. Um, and I love that Bill did that, and you know who else did that? Bob Huggins. He did that himself. He said, "We've got a lot of really talented kids here, and we've got an empty, a half empty, half full arena. You need to get your ass out here and and fill this place up." And I wish people would, I wish players and coaches would do that more often. Yeah, hold fans' feet to the fire. And get them to buy some tickets and fill the fill the place up. And it's kind of on the the department to make it affordable, but I do wish that that happened more often. Because yeah, it's clearly a different world when you've got a packed house. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And honestly, that's another thing about last year. Kind of all across sports, I think having fans is kind of a, it's an equalizer. You know, like K State doesn't beat Oklahoma in 2019 in Manhattan yeah. with an empty stadium, probably. Yeah. I may actually have used a bad example because we did go to fucking Norman and beat them last <laughs> year with kind of a half full stadium. However, yeah. over time, I think it would be probably statistically significant that, you know, lesser teams. Empty stadium versus, like, having their fan base. You need your fans yeah. against the big guys to make it difficult for them. You need that home field advantage. And we saw – I saw this a lot in, like, soccer, actually. The big teams would just be bat, would just batter the absolute shit out of basically everyone else because there was no atmosphere. It was just an empty, dead atmosphere Yeah. on a on a football pitch where, you know, the talent was completely – one-sided, typically, and and the big teams were just like murdering people in the Premier League compared to the lower mid-table teams. But um, you said this before we started that you're you're thinking about getting tickets, which surprises me. But <laughs> is that because you miss it more than you thought you would, or are you just because if you get tickets, I know you're only going to go to like one game. <laughs> now wait a minute. Um, which I hope you'd get them because I then think, I'll have tickets to steal. I think from two me. years ago when we when we got to, before the. COVID. I think we went to five, five out of six games. Now, the year before we didn't, but that was the the hellish weather year that the KU game was colder than heck. I mean, then the I was there. They that were game just was awful. They were yeah. There was like two or three games that were so bitter cold that there were like only twenty thousand fans, and we didn't go to those. But 
two years ago, we went to, I'm pretty sure, like five or six out of the seven games. We didn't miss hardly any. Well, let's talk about that because the um, number one, uh, and it was, I can't remember who the AD was before Gene Taylor. Um, oh, God. John. John um, oh, John Curry. John Curry, yeah. Um, Duh. But Curry did one thing. He said, I want to make these K-State football games uh, an incredible fan experience. And it is. I, I really enjoy going down uh, to a home game. And I'd encourage everybody to, even if, if you don't have season tickets, at least go, you know, one or two games just to help fill the stadium and, and support K-State. Because it is a blast. It's we have a great tail great or tailgate group, and uh, it's just fun. Uh, we enjoy it. Now, <clears throat> the your question was: Has COVID made it more, um, you know, desirable? And I think yes. I mean, the old absence makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, we've been away from it. We we'd like to get back and and, and enjoy it again. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, we got some good home games this year, too. Oklahoma, Iowa State. Um, got some good ones. Um, let's talk about Father's Day. It's the reason for the episode. It's the reason you're on here. It's the reason I've, I've got you on here waffling about nothing. But uh, let's start. What are, what are your earliest memories? Some of your earliest memories of me. <laughs> I saw that on the... Uh, on the question list, and I, I, I see one of the next questions is about uh, uh, the Oklahoma K State game in 2000, when we were ranked number, I want to say two. number two, and they were ranked number eight, and <sighs> they came in. I think it was game day. Was it game day? I, College I think it game was. Day. And uh, we just totally sucked the first half. We were like down 35 to 14. We were pathetic, uh, but. We rallied. Back. It was truly terrible. About a yeah. a year and a half ago or so, or two years ago, me and Matt Hall watched the game for a, one of our. We tried to do a Patreon and it totally failed. But uh, we did an episode where we watched the game, and I mean, we probably dropped like ten just wide open passes. Aaron Lockett was fucking terrible. Uh, I mean, I can't remember off the Quincy Morgan. Yeah. They just dropped. They didn't. Nobody yeah. made plays. Nobody made plays until our backs were absolutely against the wall, and somehow we clawed our way back. But Jesus, yeah. I mean, we just—it was a typical Bill Snyder K State performance on the biggest stage where we just fucking laid an absolute egg. But this is a topic that gets talked about a lot, and it's kind of made its way into Twitter. Every once in a while, it gets talked about, and it's that play. When you know we had we had we were down thirty five seventeen thirty five fourteen we kick a field goal and then we get a slip screen to Quincy Morgan he takes it like eighty seventy plus yards and it's thirty five twenty four and then we hold him force force him to a punt and David Allen's back there it's his first game back after injury from Iowa and everyone's thinking oh shit like David Allen he's gonna take this shit to the house David we can Allen feel it. And then all of a sudden, uh, Drew Thalman comes through. He blocks the punt. 
Newman picks it up, runs it in. And yeah. I want you to yeah. I want you to describe yeah. this moment because I have well, said a thousand yeah. times that like it, there's a debate. There's not much of really a debate. The people that were there know that this was easily the loudest moment really yeah. in it's in K-State sports history and it's the loudest yeah. sporting event it's the loudest moment i've ever been subjected to <laughs> it was truly dizzying and like shocking so i want from your perspective yeah. to kind of explain what that was like yeah from your I, perspective well the whole stadium just totally erupted and and you've you've kind of recapped the the scoring and we had sucked but now we're starting to come back and and that block punt and then bouncing up to Newman and him running it in you know I it's obviously it was one of the loudest it was the loudest I've ever heard at K-State because you, Grant, I look down and you're holding your ears and you say, Dad, it hurts my ears. And, you know, it was that loud. You couldn't even handle it. And I think so in 2000, you would have been nine years old. And it, it was deafening. And I remember a lot of other um, big games. We were playing Colorado and I want to say it was uh, nine. I can't remember. I can't remember the year, but we were coming back on them, and we'd scored to take a lead, and it was... Was it 95? I want to say 95. Because we fucking blew it. And, and then they came and scored back. In yeah, two they minutes. went and scored, and, uh, and when we scored the go-ahead, it was one of the loudest. Uh, it wasn't as loud as the 2000, but... Well, there's accounts of, like, Oklahoma players saying that they were, like, with their helmets on, plugging their ears yeah. in that moment. Yeah, I know. I've never heard that, but I wouldn't doubt it because it was deafening. There's uh, no, like, mm. it's hard to explain that moment, truly. If you weren't there, like, you'll never know because yeah. it'll never be like, it'll never reach that again. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think it will. The, uh, talk but, a little yeah. bit about, I mean, I don't well, know if you remember, but talk a little bit about, like, we recapped this with Matt too. He kind of because he was like in college at that time, so he was in the student section for that game in that mm -hmm. moment, and he was like kind of recapping just the the energy in the stadium that day was like visceral anger <laughs> and hatred kind of towards Oklahoma because yeah. Stoops, you know, had left us yeah. earlier, and you know he was kind of you know he had mm -hmm. put Oklahoma on the map, and the feeling was kind of like that. K-State is where Oklahoma should be. And Stoops has mm -hmm. kind of taken every a lot of our coaches from us. And, you know, they were kind of overpa like overtaking us in a way. Not quite yet because we were, you know, we were ranked two. But there was a lot yeah. of just kind of hatred and anger in the stadium that day. Obviously, I don't remember that. But, like, yeah. it was on college game day. There was that element to it. I mean, does that, does that ring a bell to you at all? Do you recall yeah, the um, hype to that game? Yeah, I do. I, I think it was hyped um, probably a little bit extra because of that. In in 98, that was, well, Stoops left and went to Florida in 96, I think, I think after the 95 year. And then he was with Steve, what was his name? Um, I'm blank. He, Spurrier? He, yeah, he was with Spurrier, Steve Spurrier. And they won the national championship, Florida did. 96. I want I want to say 96 it was yeah. and um, 
Uh, Stoops was there a couple more years in Florida, and then his first year he went to Oklahoma was 1999. And they had, they started, you know, it was obvious he was beginning to resurrect that program. And the other thing, you, us K-Staters, we hate this, but even though we dominated OU there for a long time, they still had talent that was above and beyond ours. Even though they had coaches that really were not that top-notch, they still got the talent. Uh, and so Stoops comes in, and he knew how to coach. And in 99, he really made some progress. And Haley, in the, his second year, 2000, they won the national championship. But you're right. We uh, 98 was when they kind of stripped us and robbed us of all the coaches. And so the next year, you know, Venables is in, and Mike Stoops is – and Mangino are all in uh, uh, Oklahoma. And uh, so when they came back in 2000, yeah, we were not. Um, there was, I'm pretty sure, I'd kind of forgotten that. But, yes, I think uh, we weren't very happy. We were. Bad blood, college game yes. day, definitely. And an, and a major 17-point comeback yeah. would lead to the loudest moment in, in yeah. history. And the, you know what the killer about that is we block the punt, Newman picks it up, runs it in, we have that unbelievable moment. And then they go three and out. We get the ball back with fucking ten minutes left. Ten minutes left. And, and we, we just do, it. do nothing with it. And but they end up kicking a field goal and beating us forty one thirty one is my recollection. That is huh? correct. But sickening. Well the other thing <laughs> now those of you that have heard this podcast a number of times know that Grant is a follower of soccer. And one of the reasons is Grant was a, a, a very good soccer player. And uh, he had an older wow. brother. That was okay. He had an older brother that, uh, you know, started and was good. So the younger brothers are usually better. They get a head start uh, three or four or five years earlier. And some of the memories early on Grant, we, uh, well, Grant's little team uh, won the Governor's Cup when he was eight years old. And when he was nine, we went out to Colorado to play in what's called the the, the three versus three soccer tournaments. And uh, you had to qualify. Uh, there was qualifying tournaments and our team qualified and I was coaching Grant and, and like four other boys, and we went out to Colorado, and the 3v3 game really sharpens your short game skills, and so we played this tournament, and we only played four games, but I think we went two and two out there, but that very next weekend, we came back, and Grant's uh, like 8v8 team, or 8-9 man, I can't remember, his team played in the Manhattan Invitational Tournament. And I uh, will tell you now that Grant was a wizard. I mean, Grant's short skills, he totally dominated that Manhattan Tournament. And there was a Kansas City team that was there that thought they were going to win it. But for some reason, uh, that's one of my early memories of Grant's incredible skill with that soccer ball. Uh, he would just toy with them, and uh, it was it was kind of it was fun to watch. 
Yeah, I don't know what happened after that. I stopped working, stopped working on my own. But um, that's not true. He's a, <laughs> he's a state champion. That's true. Um, well, let's go to now. You kind of see me treading water every other time you see me um, trying to navigate and balance all of the new, you know, trials and tribulations of fatherhood. So if you could go back and talk to yourself after you had your first kid, what advice would you give to yourself now? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's, <clears throat> that, that, that's a good question. Um, I think patience is, they say patience is a virtue. I, I think, you know, when you're a parent, you just have to be patient. You know, crying kids, extra responsibility. You you just have to uh, know that you're going to get through it. That, you know, everybody else has gotten through it. You look at some of the fathers and you see that they don't have a clue and somehow they got through it. But I, I think I, I think patience is, is the main thing. And... When they got older, I think the other most important thing for a father is, and it's the same with a coach, a football coach, I've all, or a basketball or a soccer coach. I have always said the coach should be 80% positive and 20% negative. And I always say that about a parent. You know, you 80% positive and 20% negative. But I hate to tell you the secret or the reality is it usually – is reversed most of the time we're critical and negative uh, with the kids uh, correcting them criticizing them 80 percent of the time and only do 20 percent of the positive so for you fathers out there that are young uh, remember 80 percent positive and 20 percent negative i would totally agree that patience is like i <laughs> have learned to be patient in the last nine weeks. Um, not a very patient person to begin with, but I've, my hand has been forced, and I've learned different ways to kind of... Because, yeah, I mean, there's nights where... And I'm not even to the point where they're like, you know, he's he's nine weeks old, so he's not running around kind of pissing me off, doing, getting into shit. It's just like all... You know, just physical dependency. He's just a baby. You got to do all this stuff for him. So it's really, it's hard. And right now he's not sleeping. I'm working full time. I'm coming home. And then I'm, it's just work full time with a baby. Doesn't sleep at night so you don't get sleep. It's a vicious cycle. But yeah, I'm not super religious by any means. But there has been times in the last two months where I prayed for patience. I don't know what that means, but or I would say thank you for giving me this opportunity to be patient. I'm going to try to learn from that. But holy shit, that is the one thing I, if I've learned anything as a new, a young father. Well, the other thing I would say as a father of four, um, with Grant being my youngest and he'll turn 30 in September, and um, the... <clears throat> The thing you have to patience is, and this relates to being patient. Um, you, well, let me put it this way: it is unbelievable how fast it goes. 
here I'm 68 and all my kids are grown. I have five grandkids. You blink your eyes and six months are gone. And so I guess I say it's part of the patience. It's also part of it's joy. Um, the, you know, uh, the, the scriptures talk about the fruits of the spirit and they are their love, peace, joy, uh, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faith, patience, humility, and self-control. And those are what the Apostle Paul says. But right there, faith that everything is going to work out. Patience, you can do it. And that kind of stuff. So, and of course, joy. Enjoy, enjoy them while they're young. Smile. <laughs> Be amazed that you have this uh, little child that depends completely on you. That is also another thing that I've kind of learned is I think I'll often I'm like, and so does Cheyenne, my wife. She will say, hey, like, I just, I need you to grow up, like, get a little bigger so, like, you can sleep through the night, one, and you can, you know, we can interact with you more. And I'm like, you better stop saying that shit because you're going to, in a year, you're going to say, oh, I wish he was a little baby boy, and I'm, I miss that, but. Yeah. So any any advice to give to me right now, and what's the most valuable lesson you've learned as a father? If you don't have any, if you, if it's those things that you've already said, we can move on. Um, <clears throat> and that's a that's a deep philosophical question, but you don't have and, to go too deep. No, I and I'll, I'll quickly say, and this is this is an interesting uh, comment since it is a sports talk show. I was very. Um, interested in sports with my children um, I it, it became one of the priorities it was a priority I coached them in soccer softball baseball basketball and <clears throat> my advice is that is important but uh, the academics I, I wish I would have been taken a little bit more of a, you know hands-on approach to making sure that they're studying and get their home, <laughs> getting their uh, uh, homework done and learning how to learn. I mean, uh, that that's very important. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to approach that. Because, I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's super constructive to just, like, go to school and sit in a class for eight hours a day. I won't, you know... That's a good way to put it. Learning how to learn and learning how to, like, learn in your own way and just critically think, I think, is the one thing I'm going to give a shit about. Because kids can have terrible grades, and that doesn't mean that they're, like, not really intelligent. It's just, like, it's not natural to go sit in a fucking class all day and go to seven different classes and expect them to be, like, yeah, I can, I'm going to be attentive for all this and care about all this stuff that you're being kind of forced to learn. And the people teaching might suck, so I don't know. Learn how to learn. Learn how to be critically, a critical thinker. And I would also say that, I mean, sports and athletics does teach discipline. I mean, the the disciplined runner, um, the disciplined soccer player, the disciplined football player, they, they know what they have to do. They have to eat properly. They have to get rest. They have to put those three to four hours a day 
um, working at their improving their skills. So it, it takes discipline and scheduling and learning priorities and that kind of stuff. So there is definitely uh, some good benefit to the to athletics. All right, folks, if anybody's still listening about at this point, uh, we're going to talk about some K-State sports here. Um, but before we do that, let's just do a quick reminder. If you want to enjoy those butter tender filet mignons, hearty Kansas City strip steaks, savory ribeyes, you got to head to kansascitysteaks.com, get 15% off your order and free shipping with the code SD at checkout. That's kansascitysteaks.com with the code SD. And, of course, join Scott and I on Thursdays at 7 p.m. on Spotify Green Room. It's a cool space where anyone can join for free, and we can talk about anything mm-hmm. we want, K-State sports, and we use them as episodes. So if you want to be on an episode, come on in, and we'll talk cats. Um, someday, I, we've had players on, actually. We had Brogan Berry on. We've had sports insiders, recruiting insider Derek Young. Uh, we have Fanya on all the time. He's the stats guru and just a all-in-out great fan. So come on and join uh, Spotify Green Room Thursdays, 7 p.m. All right, K-State football. Let's get into it. We've been waffling on for about half an hour this is might be a long episode but it's father's day after all so we wanted to make it unique and uh let's just jump into it last football season it was a nightmare um do you give last year a lot of legitimacy with how covid kind of poked holes in it every week uh no i really don't um my younger twin brothers go to iowa state and iowa state just totally destroyed us and uh I later learned that we had so many players injured or, you know, out with COVID that we probably could have canceled that game. We probably should have. Now, uh, COVID, uh, not to take anything away from Iowa State because they were our legitimate team and a good team, but it it really screwed us up. Uh, It really kind of skewed things, in my opinion. That's... yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I don't give a whole lot of uh, legitimacy to last year at all. Um, now, had we gone like eight and two, nine and one, we'd probably be having a different conversation. But um, do you think the season would have been different had Skyler stayed healthy? Yes, I, I do. How different? I, I think it would have been. I know that. Um, is it Will Howard? Was, was Will that? Howard. Yeah. Well, Will Howard kind of. Uh, I mean, he just. Uh, surprised all of us early on when Skyler got hurt and and won, I think, a couple more games and, and looked okay uh, or looked uh, fairly decent. But, you know, Skyler, you, you've got those five years or four years that he had. And experience, there's nothing uh, – uh, you, you, you can't uh, – you, you can't replace experience. And experience wins you some games. And uh, – yeah, I think Skyler would have made a difference. I agree. And Skyler is underrated, and he's he's not perfect, but he's a talented, tough quarterback that has the most top five wins of any returning quarterback. That could be – that's partially c- true. Maybe it's like of the senior returning quarterbacks. I don't know. But he's got three top five wins. Um, and Skyler – I've always been a Skyler guy. I really appreciate Skyler. And – what does that do for your expectations now that he's coming back? Well, I 
I think there were two games last year that I was very disappointed in, and it was the Oklahoma State loss, and Jesus, I think the yeah. the Baylor loss, and Jesus. and then and then the Arkan the early Arkansas State or, or the very well, first game. Tyler played in that. I know he did, and I don't. Our defense couldn't hold. I think we were up like fourteen. That points. That was but, one of those games. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. That was one of those games where I think we had like a ridiculous amount of players out because of yeah. COVID. So. It's hard to look at that game yeah. and really. It's hard to look at any of these games and, and so do you, have a whole lot of. We only played a total of ten played games. Ten games, yes. and we were four and six. But I look at those three winnable games, and had they gone the other way, I mean, we're seven and three, and so. Well, shit. If you think, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, we started out four and zero in the Big Twelve um, with Oklahoma and TCU on the road. Both of those on the road. As wins, we beat KU. Doesn't really count. They don't. They're useless. <laughs> but beating Tech also. I mean, they also suck too. But that wasn't an easy. Those weren't easy, especially going to TCU on the road after losing Skylar Thompson yeah. with Will Howard. You know, we started four in a row, and you know, all we really had to do was win two, maybe three of yeah. of our remaining five games. And I mean, we were so close, honestly, to being six and three in the conference. And yeah, that yeah. you look at the Oklahoma State game, and we yeah. win that with Skyler. We yeah. win that with Skyler Thompson. Our our red zone troubles and all but disappear with Skyler in the game because he can run. He's and the far Baylor, more familiar. Baylor game too. Yeah. The Baylor game we don't. Well, here's the thing about the Baylor game was that was kind of on our defense. And I mean, at that point, I mean, we scored enough game. We scored enough. With Will Howard to win that game, and our defense was just fucking atrocious. I mean, we had, well, that, but we had holes everywhere. But wasn't that where we had them held, and we had a couple <laughs> stupid penalties? I think we their, had a million penalties down their last stretch that gave them a first down, and so they go and score and win the game. Anyway, that is but, kind of a theme of uh, yeah. Chris Kleiman there. We have a and, lot of backbreaking penalties. Maybe yeah. something to keep an eye on going right. into next year. That that would be my only complaint on some of the yeah some so, of those mistakes. So yeah, let's get into that. Are you still a believer of Chris Kleiman after you know we're on a five game losing losing streak, uh, and we're going into a season where our first six games we've got a pretty tough non conference starting with Stanford. Uh, I could be wrong here. I want to say Southern Illinois. I keep fucking up this FCS opponent. And then Nevada. Those are three not gimmies. And then our first three Big 12 games. Oklahoma State on the road. Oklahoma. Iowa State. So our first six games, potentially, we could be two and four, one and five. Hmm. But, you know, and I'm saying we're coming off of a five-game losing streak. Where's your confidence with Chris Kleiman? Does last year... You know, do you really do you did you lose confidence with Chris Kleiman, um, or is are you giving him a break because COVID year? Well, where are you standing? <clears throat> no, I'm giving him a break. I uh, listening to Chris Kleiman, I really believe in him. I just and that's uh, just hearing him at the post game uh, conferences and uh, the or press conferences and. And just his uh, pregame coaches show. Uh, for to me, he knows he knows how to win. 
We just have to make sure we get the players. Um, and I think, I think he's a good recruiter. I think uh, so. I still believe in him. The one thing, the one thing I would say is, we have got to make sure we win the games we're supposed to win. You know, his very first year that year, we dropped that game against West Virginia that we had no business losing, and it was a couple stupid penalties and a couple. Um, bad plays that you you can't let happen, and the and kind of the same thing last year with the penalties against Baylor. It's it, it's the discipline, it's the self discipline. He's got to make sure those guys uh, play smart and don't make mistakes that beat them. That's the only thing uh, th- that I would be concerned about. I think that's fair. All right, one more football question before we hop into some hoops. Can you remember another player in the past? that has had as impactful of a freshman season as Deuce Vaughn. And who are your favorite young players in the foot in football from the past? You know, young underclassmen that. Well, you know, of course, Darren Sproles kind of broke out his freshman year. He, He started playing. I can't remember who he was playing behind. It was one of our upperclassmen running backs. Scobie? It may have been Josh Scobie, yeah, Josh Scobie. Um, he was amazing. I mean, and he was incredible as a sophomore in 2002. Yeah, that was one of his best. That seasons. was uh, that was 2002. Was a great year. I, I still remember that. Well, unfortunately, it was a, a loss at Colorado, but Jesus. I still remember one time when, I mean, he and L. Roberson and the way they ran that option was incredible, but. Uh, so it would it would have to be, um, I'd have to say uh, Darren Sproles, and uh, oh other young guys. You know, uh, Kevin Lockett is a freshman. I remember him yeah, in that's the a good one. the Wyoming Bowl game uh, '93 when he and uh, uh, Coleman uh, Andre, Andre Coleman, Mitch Running, and those guys. But Aaron Lockett broke out that year. He had a touchdown pass, and uh, Tyler was a decent freshman too. And Tyler was a good Kevin freshman. Kevin is a great. That's probably the best answer. Kevin it was a great. I mean, he freshman. was yeah um, a weapon. And uh, there were yeah there were some there were some good players along. I know I'm forgetting. There's tons that I'm forgetting. Uh, I, I think I, I think that's good. Yeah. We got a baby crying in the background. If you can hear it, I'm sorry, but probably can't because we record in breweries and bars and it's well, a there's, good there's another good freshman that gets lost and I always wish he would have stayed and had Bill Snyder coach him, but Josh Freeman uh was a, a hell of a God, he was a Yeah, he was he was great. a specimen. Six six and I just had a I hell got, of an arm. I you know, I I blacked out with him. Yeah. Like um on I I was hanging out with a buddy I was hanging out with Levi, who's an old soccer friend, and uh, he, like, knows Josh Freeman, who lives in Kansas City, lives on the plaza. Mm-hmm. And uh, somehow I ended up in Josh Freeman's house <laughs> playing piano, and uh, I was, yeah, pretty blacked out. I was, like, not – I had to call in. I had to call in to work the next day. But <laughs> Well, uh, you know, for those of you that – by the way. For those of you that don't know, I'm a lawyer, and – Somehow, uh, just coincidentally, Josh Freeman got a speeding ticket from going from Kansas City to Manhattan, and he somehow he called me, and I represented, took care of his speeding ticket in Wabunsee County uh, many, many years ago. But uh, 
Yeah, Josh Freeman was another one. I if I had time to sit, there's a ton of freshmen. You know, um, the uh, oh gosh, it was it was the 2000 year. He was a linebacker. Uh, no, he was a he was a strong safety. Grant came out and played as a red shirt freshman. Dante uh, Barnett. He not, was a great no, freshman. Not, not Dante Barnett. Actually, he wasn't uh, great, but yeah, they had. You said you safety. Know, he was, yeah, he was a strong safety. Fuck. God, I can't remember. Uh, uh, I'm blank freshman, on his name. Strong safety. He came out as a freshman. It was the. What and year? then and Rashad Washington. What, no, but Lamar I Chapman. Think, I, think, I don't know. I think Rashad. I think Lamar actually played as a freshman. Rashad may have played some. I think he broke out as a sophomore. But it was, God, it was in that era though. And. Uh, Another defensive back that was uh, well, Chris Candy was a hell of a freshman too. And Chris Candy was there's a good. lot of there's a lot of good players that I'd have to look at my sports guide to look. Well, who was the other guy? Um, well, go ahead. I, I right, we go can on. we can jump we'll, into hoops. Yeah, we could probably dig yeah. in and name a bunch of freshmen, right. but I do think Kevin Lockett is probably the best answer. Kevin, yeah, and I know Kevin. his freshman season very well because I've watched that '93 highlight tape a thousand I mean. times. <laughs> um, okay. Let's talk about hoops. It was another historically yeah. awful season. Pretty sure it was statistically the worst of all time. Where do you stand on Bruce? You know, I, I know. I think I know. Yeah. Well, I will. I'll say, with Bruce, it's just the opposite of, of. Uh, Climbing with when I hear Bruce talk, you know, I just am not filled with confidence that he really <laughs> knows how to communicate with the players. He is a bad communicator. When I see all these guys, you know, we get all these good freshmen or players and then they don't stick around, uh, I can't help but think that somehow he doesn't know how to individually relate to the players um, because we have a great group of freshmen that in this year and the question is how how many of them are going to stay i know we had a great group a couple years ago and one of those good sophomores has left uh, transferred they didn't really pan out though um they never really showed what these guys are showing well i yeah i hope you know the only group that bruce has been able to keep together was that the dean wade and and Barry Brown, and I always forget Cam. the Cam. Yeah, Cam. Stokes. Stokes. I always forget him. For but uh, Everybody does. He yeah. never gets enough respect. I know. He's a and damn if, good if, basketball player. If Bruce was able to keep those kind of guy, three or four guys around, then it, it would be a different ballgame. But, no, I'm not a big believer in Bruce. Um, Do you think he should have kept his job? I really don't after, after the – well, and I'll let me back that up because – after we we win, we go to the Elite Eight. Yeah. The next year, we win the Big Twelve, and then I was really high on that following year with uh, the guys coming back: Mayween and uh, the six Cartier. foot five Cartier, and uh, the Sneed. little Sneed. That's it, uh, Sneed, and the little guard we have now that's coming back for his uh, fifth year. Um, uh, Mike McGurl. Yeah, McGurl. We had those four guys coming back off an Elite Eight team and a Big 12 championship team, and I thought that is definitely enough to build a team around, and it didn't happen. And I yeah, said, that, I, it's and been I hate said. to say this on last year's Father's Day podcast. I think I said the exact same thing, so I'll shut up. Anyway. 
Yeah, I mean, it's been said many times on this show and elsewhere that Bruce really fucked himself that year in 2018, 2019 uh, with that group of guys where we should have minimum finished fifth and made the tournament. Yes. And, uh, you know, this was always expected to be a down year. And then COVID kind of played in at that. Nobody would have nobody would have uh, bat an eye at having a tough year with freshmen, all freshmen, sophomore, and a COVID year. But Bruce really killed himself in that year. So uh, what do you think he needs to do to achieve – what do you think he needs to achieve next year to come back, to retain his job? So if, well, what does he have to do next year to come back the following year? Okay. Tur- <laughs> tournament or bust? Oh, definitely the tournament or out. Yeah, um, I agree. We got to finish – you know, I, I, I guess, and this year, the Big 12 was, I mean, there were some good, solid teams, but, and I'm going to say one more, uh, one more complaint against Bruce, and this is kind of a question I have. It seems like every year we have some losses against teams we shouldn't, and then the team really steps up and starts playing well. I did go to the Big 12 tournament and watch K-State play TCU and they played awesome they they looked great and then the very next game they played against Baylor we gave Baylor a better game than uh, Gonzaga did in the championship game and so the consistency has been another one of my complaints with Bruce we play so well at times and then just play like dog you know what at other times so, yes, tournament or resign, Bruce, please. <laughs> I will be with you there. I'll totally be with you. If he doesn't make the tournament for a third straight year after being Big 12 champions, he needs to be out the door. Um, I agree with you. Um, those freshmen, so do you think that that group of freshmen can bring us back to glory? Because the late, you know, last, mm. you know, seven to ten games – you could kind of see it clicking. You could see it turning around. We, you know, we beat West Virginia. We beat, maybe not. No, uh, we beat, sorry, TCU. We beat, beat TCU, TCU on the road. Mm-hmm. Then we beat Oklahoma, a top 10 matchup at, ho- at home in Manhattan. Then we, you know, I can't remember. Uh, I want to say we beat a few. Iowa State, I think, beat them twice or something. But basically we had won, you know, five or six games towards the end of the year. Does that fill you with confidence? Do you think that these guys are figuring it out? They're getting the system? Or was it a flash in the pan? Well. Because I think this, <laughs> what do you think about this group of freshmen? I mean, can they bring I us back? I think they're awesome. I I always go back to the, I mean, we've got that, I don't know who that big seven-footer is. Davion Bradford. And he, I thought, I was very impressed with him as a freshman. And then Yeah, he's good. And then the, the Miguel. Uh, Selton Miguel. Okay, and who is the point guard who's the point guard nigel pack yes he's, he was people he was seem to awesome. think he's got the highest ceiling yeah he was awesome when i watched him in uh, kansas city at the big 12 tournament and so yes i think with a good coach those guys <laughs> the, you know the sky's the limit and so i, I don't suppose, know i suppose that is the question yeah do we still have a good coach <laughs> that's the question that's going to wrap it up for basketball, so I'm just going to end on a couple questions here. Put you on the spot. Next year, expectations. Football, first of all, will K-State finish in the top four in football? I think we're picked like, I don't fucking know, we're probably picked seventh or eighth. 
Well, you know, Oklahoma's going to be very good. Iowa State, uh, that Matt Campbell has them playing well. And then um, Texas, we don't know what. Uh, we've got a new Sharkeesians at Texas now, isn't he coaching there? I don't um, fear Texas at all. Um, we Texas, we we've always, and, until the last couple of years, we've always kind of had well, their number. Well, they've kind of, they've evened that out. Uh, we, so, haven't beat them, we haven't beaten Texas since 24, I don't know, 14? Uh, God, I hope not 16. We haven't beat Texas years. since 20, no, 16, no. 2016. Okay. Jesse Ertz beat Texas in Manhattan. They've beat us 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah. So four straight years they've beat And us. all of them we were, were really close, close games. That Well, last year they know. nearly hung 80 points on us. But those three yeah. prior games, yes, yeah. we could have probably won any of those games. Yeah. But um, well, um, do yes. they finish top four? Uh, out of, out of what are we, big, we got 10 teams? 10 teams. Oh, ah, that's a good question. Tied for third in Kleiman's first year. Right. Last year started four and zero. Covid kind of derailed. Us. I'd be happy at, at top five. I think we need to be in the upper half. Um, top four. That's that's reaching. I I haven't sat down to think about the um, Oklahoma Oklahoma State was down last year, uh, but West Virginia was up. They yeah. so uh, I don't know. I'd say I, top five. I'd be happy with uh, top five. Because we'd go to a bowl. Apologies if you guys can hear this extra noise, but last question, will K-State basketball make the tournament? That probably will just require a top six, seven finish, maybe even top eight. <laughs> yeah, now this is this is the thing. This is one of my pet peeves, and that is that— We're almost uh, done, Grandma. We're almost done. Um, the uh, You know, one of my pet peeves is seven teams go— to the tournament the last couple of years, and K State can't even be in the top seven. Yeah, that's pathetic. You know, uh, the, with the tradition that we have. Um, so um, I'm I'm hoping yes. Uh, if we if we if we crash and burn again, then you know, Bruce should pay us back the salary that he we've been giving him. I agree. I agree. Any last words? That's going to wrap it up. Do you have any advice, any any words of wisdom you want to <laughs> drop to the listeners before we sign off? Let's see. Well, let's see. I, I do have one quick thing that I, I'm, I believe in. Buy one of those K-State licenses. Every uh, once a year, that's 50 bucks. And that is, we've got about 50,000 of us doing it. And so it's, it's, uh, what is that? Five, it's about five million a year that goes to scholarship. It's really simple. It's only fifty bucks a month. You spend more than that on a weekend uh, out to dinner. So that's my advice: buy one of those K State license tags. All right, you heard it from Malcolm. Do that, and uh, happy Father's Day to everyone. Anyone who's a dad out there, um, remember to join us on uh, Green Room. Spotify Green Room Thursday at 7 p.m. to talk cats with fellow fans and Scott and I. And then go to KansasCitySteaks.com and use the code SD and you will get free shipping and, I don't know, 15% off? That could be wrong. Let me check really quick. 15% off. Yes, code SD, KansasCitySteaks.com. Folks, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Meet me at the Cat Head.
All he could think about was I'm too young for this Got my whole life ahead Hell, I'm just a kid myself How am I gonna raise one? All he could see were his dreams Going up in smoke So much for ditching this town And hanging out on the coast Oh, well Those plans are long gone And he said There goes my life There goes my future Everything might as well kiss it all goodbye. That goes my life. A couple years of up all night and a few thousand diapers later. That mistake he thought he made. Covers up the refrigerator, oh yeah He loves that little girl Mama's waiting to tuck her in As she fumbles up those stairs She smiles back at him Dragging that teddy bear sleep tight Blue eyes and mountain curls He smiles There goes my life There goes my future My everything I love you Daddy, good night There goes my life She had that Honda loaded down With Abercrombie be closed fifteen pairs of shoes on his American Express. He checked the old slam the hood, said you're good to go. She hugged them both and headed off to the west coast. And he cried, there goes my life There goes my future, my everything I love you, baby, goodbye There goes my life There goes my
Network.